Today, we're going to be studying the book of John, chapter 10. And before we dive into that, I just want to give you a little bit of history on the book of John, the author that we are reading about. See, John was one of Jesus' disciples. He was one of his closest friends. And he wrote one of the Gospels, one of the first four books of the New Testament. Now, each one of those Gospels, the reason that there's four is because each one was written to a different audience. The book of Matthew was written to the Jews. So you'll see a lot of history of the Jews listed there. Uh, the book of Mark was written to a Roman audience and the Romans had this infatuation with with superheroes, with gods and warriors and all that stuff. So it's written with a little more of a flair towards the great miracles that Jesus did. The book of Luke was written to a Greek audience. So there's a lot of academia there. They were seekers of wisdom. And so there's a lot of academia there. And Luke was a physician and he wrote that book in such a way that there's history and chronology and things that would appeal to an academic person. But the book of John was written to introduce Jesus to the world. John focuses heavily on Jesus's deity. In fact, the very first verse in the book of John is that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John is pointing out from the very beginning that Jesus is God. And so we're going to be studying this chapter from the book of John that teaches us about Jesus' deity, about his role in our life as our good shepherd. And John lays this out in a way that we can easily comprehend. And what we're really going to dive into today is this idea of knowing his voice. How do we know the voice of the Lord? If you have your Bible and you've already turned to John chapter 10, let's begin reading in verse one. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger's voice they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this is Jesus talking and Jesus is saying that he is our shepherd and that we're going to know his voice and that as we know his voice, we will follow him. And I used to think that this passage was talking about hearing the voice of the Lord at all times, that we would always know his voice, that it would always be clear and that we would be able to clearly follow him. But I now understand that what Jesus is referencing here is that initial call to salvation, that initial call when he calls us out of the flock of the world and places us in his own flock. He claims us as his own. In fact, if we read go on and read in verse 14 through 17, Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And right there is where Jesus says that he came not just for the Jews, but he came for the rest of us, the Gentiles, those outside of the Jewish community. He came for all of us and he wants to add us to his flock so that we can be his sheep and he will be our shepherd. But if you're like me, you may have struggled at some point with knowing the voice of the Lord. You may have had this moment where you feel like, okay, God, I feel like you're leading me somewhere, but is this your voice I'm hearing or is this my own? Is this you telling me to go or is this the the devil telling me to go? Is this me telling me to go? Is this that pizza I ate last night messing with my brain? God, I really want to follow you. I want to hear you clearly, but I'm just not sure if I'm hearing your voice. But what if I told you that you could have clarity in, in the fact that the Lord is leading you, that you could have clarity in knowing when the Lord is speaking to you? In fact, Romans 8, 14 says that for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons 
of God. The question there is, are you led by the spirit of God? And if you are, if you have received God's gift of salvation, if you have become a sheep in the flock of Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and he is leading you and guiding you. And you can be confident that he is leading you to the right place. So why the struggle? Why the confusion? Sometimes we wish we were like Moses and we had a burning bush that popped up in front of us and we would know clearly that that was God. But Moses got the burning bush because Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of him. Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit leading him and guiding him internally. And you and I do. Now, I know the spirit of the Lord was with Moses, that he talked with Moses and that he walked with Moses and the Israelites through the wilderness. But Moses did not have initially the spirit of God with him. So that burning bush was necessary. But you and I have so much more than what Moses had in that moment. We have the very spirit of God living in us, dwelling in us, cleansing us of all unrighteousness, but also guiding us in the truth so that we can clearly hear God's voice. Psalm 37, four says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That means that he will put his desires in your heart and you can hear them clearly. John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and let my word abide in you and you'll have whatever you ask and let my commandments abide in you. And by this, you will produce much fruit and others will know that you are my disciples. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern that we're following and understanding that we can know the voice of the Lord clearly. But what I would submit to you is that what we really have is not a hearing problem, but an order problem. See, somewhere around fifth grade, I was introduced to something called the order of operations. You remember this from math class, the order of operations. PEMDAS, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. That stands for what? Parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, uh, yeah, addition and subtraction. There we go. PEMDAS. See, I struggle with it even now, right? The order of operations. And the premise behind that is if you get a math problem that has all of these components in it, if you follow that order, you're going to get to the right answer. Well, that fifth grade math teacher either taught me wrong or I misinterpreted what he was saying because I struggled with the order of operations and all the way through high school. In fact, I found myself in a remedial math class. For those of you that don't know what that is, a remedial math class is basically where they put you when they feel like you're not learning math the way other people are learning math. Now, you may be thinking, Jay, I heard you were involved with the church budget. Don't worry. That's all pre-fifth grade math. That's all addition and subtraction and stuff. And the way budgets work is this. You hope you add more than you subtract. You pray for multiplication and you avoid division. If you can do that, the budget is good and we're straight. We're good to go. (laughs) So that's what we hope for with the budget. Add more than we subtract. Pray for multiplication. Avoid division. So we're good. Right. But order of operations. So I went all the way through high school, not fully understanding this order of operations thing. And I was confident, though, I just knew I had the right answers. And I was that student that when the teacher would say, who wants to answer this? My hand would shoot up. So I'm in math class and the math teacher's like, all right, who has the answer to number three? And I put up my hand and she's like, all right, Mr. Blizzard. And I'm like, 37. And the whole room gets quiet and everyone looks around and I hear people snicker. And then the teacher says, "Uh, would somebody like to help Mr. Blizzard out? And the girl next to me is like, it's four. And I'm like, four? How did you get four? And she's looking at me like, how did you get 37? I had the order wrong. And I feel like for some of us, that's what happens in our walk with Christ. Everyone around us is getting four is the right answer. And we're getting 37. And we're like, how did you get there? We may have the order wrong. It wasn't until I got into college, my college, very first college math professor 
retaught the order of operations. And that time it clicked for me. I learned it. I knew it. And from that point on, I aced every math class I took, statistics and all of it, although I hate statistics. But I aced all of them because I understood the order. And so, again, church, I would submit to you that what we have is not a hearing problem, but an order problem. We've got our order of operations wrong. And because of that, we feel like we cannot clearly hear the voice of the Lord. Well, today I'm going to teach you an order of operations. This is not some magical four or five step thing, but this really is an order of operations. Some things that you need to make sure that you check off to make sure that you can hear God's voice clearly. And we're going to dive right into these. This is going to be somewhat of a practical message. So I want you to take plenty of notes, write this stuff down so that you can apply it to your life. You can share it with those that you know and love and you can use it to help you hear God's voice clearly. If you're ready to dive in, type in the chat real quick and say ready. Look at your neighbor, say ready. Look back at the camera and me and say ready and we'll dive in. All right. So here's the very first thing that you have to know. Your first order in your order of operations is you have to have a relationship with Jesus. It all starts with relationship. Remember when we read in John chapter 10, Jesus referred to us as my sheep. My sheep means that we have to be his. We have to be in relationship with him. And for many of us, we think that we checked the relationship box when we prayed that prayer. But let me tell you something. That prayer is just the beginning of the relationship. There's so much more that comes after that. And if you don't have that right relationship with him, you're going to miss out on where he's leading you. You're going to miss out on hearing his voice. As I was prepping for this message, I did some study on how the shepherds interacted with the sheep in the time that Jesus was telling this story. You know, and, and we picture shepherds as almost like cattle drivers. They stand in the back and they just drive the sheep somewhere. They drive them somewhere. They're always pushing them to go somewhere, usually to be slaughtered, but they're just pushing them to go somewhere. But in this time, and Jesus mentions this in one of the verses, he says, I go before them. See, in that time, the shepherd would go out before the sheep. The shepherd would go out and make sure that the path was clear for the sheep, that he was leading them to the right place. And they would use these songs that they would sing to make sure that the sheep could hear their voice. And the sheep began to learn the shepherd's voice. And when he would follow the shepherd singing, that's how the sheep would know he was in safety. He was going to good pasture. He was being led to the right place. But you have to have that relationship. Now, I remember when Miss Rashida and I first met and Pastor Brian talked about how him and Miss Kristen met a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to tell you how me and Miss Rashida met. We worked together. Um, but the beginning of our relationship, we spent a lot of time just riding around in my car. We lived in Maryland. We spent a lot of time riding around in my car through Rockville, Maryland, just talking. We would just spend time together, literally hours and hours and hours just riding around and talking. And whenever people ask me how we began, you know, people have sometimes these fancy stories like I was at the club and I looked across the room and I saw her standing there and I knew she was the one. And we've been together ever since. We just talked. We just talked. We just spent time together. And again, we would ride around for hours and hours and just talk to one another. What were we doing? We were learning one another. She was learning me and I was learning her. That time was intentional. We were beginning to learn our likes and our dislikes. We were getting to know one another. And guess what now? Guess whose voice I know very clearly? My wife. Because we put that time in. I got to know her. And here's what I want you to understand about relationship. Remember earlier I mentioned that sometimes we think that when we pray that initial prayer, that that is the relationship. No, that prayer enters in us into relationship. But relationship is a combination of a couple different things. And I want you to write this down. Relationship is a combination of time, trust, and surrender. 
See, that time that we spent together began to breed trust. I began to know her and she began to know me. I began to realize that she had my best interest at heart and she knew I had her best interest at heart. So we began to trust one another. And then once we trusted one another, we realized we could commit our lives to one another. There was a moment of surrender. That's that I do moment where I'm committing my life to you. And for many of us, we took that first step of entering into a relationship with Jesus, but we haven't taken the steps to build the relationship with Jesus. We haven't taken the intentional time studying his word and reading through scripture, getting to know him. We haven't taken the time and put ourselves in a situation where we can learn to trust him and rely on him. And we haven't fully surrendered to him, although he surrendered his life for us. See, that surrender piece is key because Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And what he asks us in return is that we give our life to him. And so when you're building this relationship with Jesus, when you're going through this order of operation, you need to ask yourself, have I taken the time to build trust in this relationship? And have I fully surrendered myself to the Lord? Because if you haven't done that, you're not going to clearly hear his voice. If you're not fully surrendered to him, that means you're surrendered to some other things in your life. And that those voices are going to speak very loudly to you. They're going to guide you and drive you. Sometimes it's your flesh. Sometimes it's the people around you. Whatever it is that you are surrendered to is what's going to lead you. And if you're not fully surrendered to the Lord, then you're not going to hear his voice clearly enough to be led by him. And that brings us to the second thing in our order of operations. First, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. The second thing is this. You need to be a student of his word. Last week or the week before last, Pastor Brian said that God's word basically is his voice. This is Jesus talking to you. And if you want to know his voice, you need to be a student of his word. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I'll give you a second to turn there. I got a little little cheat thing here so I can get there pretty quickly. But in 2 Timothy, we find the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, who is his mentee. Paul is mentoring Timothy and Paul is giving Timothy advice on how to pastor the church that he's in. We find ourselves reading this passages, Paul gives Timothy some very, very important advice about God's word. Paul says that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So Paul is saying that God's word, first of all, he says it's breathed out by God. That means that God inspired his word, that he breathed it out through his Holy Spirit so that every author who wrote a part of this book was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word, his words that we have here on paper. And he said it's profitable. And I don't know about you, but when something is profitable, that sounds good to me. I want it to be profitable, right? That means I want to use it. I want to have it. I want to own it. It says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, teaching is simple. We understand what that means, but reproof is a word we don't really use a lot. It really basically just means knowing right from wrong. So it's profitable for teaching us how to live. God's word is profitable for teaching us what's right and wrong. It's profitable for correction so that we can know how to get back in line, to get back in step with God. And it's profitable for training in righteousness so that we can live a life that's pleasing to God. He goes on to say in verse 17 that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You need to be a student of God's word because here's the key. God's word gives us the answers to many of the things that we pray about. And sometimes we go to God and we pray and we say, Lord, I don't feel like I'm hearing your voice clearly. I, I feel like you're leading me somewhere and I'm just praying about this. God, I'm waiting on an answer when the truth of the matter is, is that if we spent some time in his word, we would see that the answers are already 
there. I know people that pray about their marriages all the time, but God has already told you in his word how a marriage is supposed to work. He says that a husband should love his wife the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And he says that a wife should submit to her husband as to the Lord. He tells us how to be parents. He says to train our children, to raise them in the fear or respect and understanding of the Lord. We're to raise them to respect God and to know who God is. And he says, particularly fathers, do not uh, upset or do not, um, what's the word that he uses? Do not frustrate your children in a way that's going to cause them to be scornful. But he wants us to love our children and to learn them and to know them. He talks to us about our finances. He says that if you are a borrower, you're going to be a slave to the lender and that we need to be generous in our giving. He tells us that we need to live life with an open hand and that we need to freely give to others. Scripture talks to us about temptation when we struggle. It says that there's no temptation that happens to us that's not common to man, but in every temptation, God makes a way of escape so that we're able to bear it. His word is full of things that we need to get through everyday life. But oftentimes we go to God and we say, Lord, I'm trying to hear you clearly on this situation. And so my question to you would be, if you're asking God that, have you spent time developing your relationship with him? And are you a student of his word? Is there already an answer that you need in God's word that you just haven't dug out yet? Because that's where we need to start. Here's something I need you to know. When you're praying and you're asking God for something, he's never going to contradict his word. He will never contradict his word. So if you read it in scripture already, you know that that's God's position on it. He's not going to change where he stands on that. And you can hold on to that as faithful and true. And you can move forward knowing that God has already given you the answer that you are looking for. You have to be in relationship with Jesus. Scripture tells us that the gospel is foolishness to those that don't believe, but to those who do believe, it's life. Scripture is life for us. So you have to have that relationship and then you have to be a student of God's word. And notice I use the word student there. I didn't just say you have to read God's word. I said you have to be a student of it. And here's the deal, and I wanna make this clear. I know a lot of times, we're almost taught in church to make life as easy as possible. Like we, we almost have this mentality that we want to do as little as possible to check our boxes off to say that we've done what God has required of us. But being a Christian, being a believer, being a follower of Christ is a lifelong journey. And this Bible guides us through that journey. And if you're going to do that journey successfully, you need to know what's in it. Don't be afraid to study God's word. Don't be afraid to dive into it. If you struggle with interpreting or understanding God's word, get yourself with some other believers who know his word, who can walk that path with you. That's why us meeting in homes is so critical so that you can have people around you who are on this journey with you and we can help guide one another to life in Christ as we study his word together. This is a lifelong thing. This is not a book that's meant to be read once or twice and put on the shelf. It's meant to be something that we live in, that we meditate on, that we dwell in each and every day of our lives if we want to clearly hear his voice. So there you go. You got to have a relationship with God if you want to clearly hear his voice or a relationship with Jesus. And you have to be a student of his word if you want to clearly hear his voice. The third thing is this. If you want to clearly hear God's voice, you have to listen to his voice. You have to listen to him. And so here's the deal with this one. And this one is much easier said than done. This is probably the one that I struggle with the most. To listen to his voice at times, it means that we have to be still. It means that we have to be quiet. It means that we have to quiet the things around us so that we can hear him. 
You remember earlier I mentioned that Moses got the burning bush because he didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of him. Well, you and I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And scripture says that he leads us and guides us in all truth. Remember again, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We're going to be led by his Spirit, but we have to listen to his Spirit when he leads us. But here's what many of us do. I'm going to give you a little illustration. This is what many of us do when we go to God. And I want you to picture yourself having a phone call. You pick up your phone and you're going through something in life. And so let's say you call your mom or your dad or your brother or your best friend. You call whoever your confidant is and you pick up your phone and you're like, hey, I got this problem going on. I could really use some advice. I need some help. And if you don't mind, could you bring me a little bit of food later? And I would really love it if you would just come over and make these other people in my house act right because they're not acting right right now. And I really, really, really wish you would talk to my spouse because they're getting on my nerves. And uh, yeah, I could just really use your help. I could really use your advice. Please lead me and guide me in this. Okay, bye. And we walk away and we cut the conversation off and we never give the person we're talking to a chance to respond. We never get a chance to hear what they're going to tell us about what we're asking. Do you do your phone calls that way? Is that how you interact with the people you're in relationship with in your life? Absolutely not, because those relationships wouldn't last very long. Eventually, the people would get sick of you calling them and they'd say, you know what? Every time you call, you never listen to anything I have to say. I'm not even going to bother with you anymore. And they wouldn't answer your phone calls anymore. But that's how we treat God, church. That's exactly how we treat the Lord. We get on our knees at night and we pray and we go through this whole list of things that we need. And then we say in Jesus name, amen. And we get up and we walk away and we go back to watch TV or we go and do whatever it is that we're going to do that evening. And we don't take time to be still and listen to his voice. Now, again, his voice is going to be his word. So a lot of what you need to know is already in here. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's the one who guides us. He's that still small voice inside of you that leads you and guides you in the right direction. That's why we need to be quiet. That's why we need to be still. And that's why we need to listen, because oftentimes we're hearing so much stuff from so many other places that we don't hear the Lord clearly because we don't take the time to stop and listen. And so I would challenge you with that piece to take to make time to just be still and listen. It's something I've started practicing in my own life. And now I'm telling you, I started small. I started short. So now I will pray and then I'll just spend a couple of minutes being quiet afterwards. I'll just spend a couple of minutes just sitting there and listening for the Lord's voice. And no, I'm not listening for some audible voice to just come out and be like, Jay, I need you to do this because that would probably scare me and I'd run out of the room. I'm not a punk or anything, but, you know, anyway. But what I am listening for is, okay, God, this is what I studied in your word this morning. This is what I'm meditating on. Speak to me through your word, lead me by your Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit leads me, a lot of times we look for answers that are yeses. We look for God to say, okay, like GPS. And I love the illustration that Pastor Brian used with GPS. I'm not going to say, hey, Siri, although I just said, hey, Siri. But anyway, we look for God to say, go one mile, turn left. All right, now turn right. Okay, now turn left. All right, there's your destination. And what I have found in life is that oftentimes God doesn't lead me that way. I will have an impression in my heart that I'm supposed to be going and doing something and I have to go and do. And when I get to a place that I'm not supposed to be, I do feel the Holy Spirit tell me no. 
I do feel the Holy Spirit stop me. Maybe it's by closing a door. Maybe it's just this losing of the of peace in my heart or something like that. I do feel the Holy Spirit stop me from doing things. But it's very rare in life for me personally that I get those step by step directions of where I'm supposed to go, what turns I'm supposed to make and all of that. Now, Scripture says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And so I would encourage you in saying this. Keep taking steps. Trust if you're in a relationship with him. If you put that time that builds trust and that trust that leads to surrender and you're fully surrendered to him, if you have been a student of his word, then you can trust that your steps are ordered and that he is the one leading you. And so as you're listening to that still small voice, you can know that it's him. It's not the pepperoni pizza you had last night. It's not the devil playing tricks on you. Again, Psalm 37, 4 said what? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And what again, what that means is that he will put his desires in your heart if you take delight in him so that you can know that those burdens that you feel, that that compassion that you feel for something, you can know that this thing that you've been wrestling with that you just can't seem to let go. You can know that that is the Lord leading you and you can be confident in that and take some steps towards it and keep going until he says, "Okay, that's enough or stop or back up. But keep taking steps. Don't stay stagnant. Don't just keep sitting still. You do need to take time to listen to his voice. You do need to take a moment to listen to him, but then go. Don't just keep sitting there. And that's some of our problem is that we're too still. All we want to do is sit. But no, listen to his voice. Give time for him to respond and then go. Just like you would with the GPS. You listen when she says, "Okay, go one mile and turn. And then you go. You don't just stop and sit on the side of the road and say, well, I'm going to wait till she tells me what comes after that. No, you keep going. And you get the steps as you need them. All right. Does that make sense? I hope so. So, again, you have to have a relationship with Jesus, your order of operations. You have to, number one, be in relationship with him. Number two, you need to be a student of God's word. You have to study his word, read it faithfully, dive into it because he already answers a lot of the things that we pray about. The third one is you have to take time to listen to his voice. Don't be always the one that's talking. Do more listening and be led by his spirit. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Here's the fourth thing that you you can do. Consult other sheep. Remember, Jesus said that he was calling us into one flock. And that was in John chapter 10, verse 17, I believe. He was calling us to one flock. And so there are other sheep who are here with us. And we can listen to those sheep. Now, I want to be clear with you about something with this one. When you are listening to other sheep, here's some things I want you to do. First of all, I want you to examine them, to choose wisely. Examine that sheep. Make sure that they are living for God. If they don't have a relationship with him, probably not someone you should be listening to. If they are not a student of his word, you need to be very careful of the advice you are taking from them. So make sure that you examine that sheep so that you know that they clearly know his voice. And so that when you go to them for advice on how to do this thing called life as a Christian, you know that you're getting good advice. The other thing that I would encourage you to do in this is to put their voice in its proper place. Again, Pastor Brian alluded to this a couple of weeks ago about about how he and I spend time with other pastors and we hear them and we get great advice and we get great uh, encouragement and great information from people all around us. But we have to put their voice in their proper place. If we start to allow those voices to be louder than the voice of the Lord in our lives, that's a problem. So again, on this list, other sheep is what? Number four. 
So you want to make sure it's in its proper place, that you have a relationship with Jesus for yourself, that you know him, that you're a student of his word and that you pray and listen for his voice. And then as you consult other sheep, you can get good information on. All right. These are some next steps that I, I can take. These are some things that I can do. But for many of us, what we really like to do is, again, we get out of order. We get out of order. So when something comes up in our life and we want to seek the Lord on it, instead of seeking the Lord, we go a whole different route. We run into a problem. And the first thing that we do is we phone a friend. We call a friend up and say, hey, friend, let me tell you about this problem I got. What advice do you have for me? And so then we start trying to do their advice. And then when that doesn't go just right, we go, hey, Google, can you tell me how do I find blah, blah, blah? Or hey, Siri, can you tell me blah, 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 blah? And my Google is probably about to go off. I hope it didn't hear me. But we go through this whole process of asking things. We go to WebMD and Google searches and Yahoo and all over the place trying to find information about what we're facing. And then when that doesn't work out, then we start reading books. We'll go out and buy every book that talks about that topic that we know. And again, if that book is written by a fellow sheep, that may not be a bad thing to get more information, but that's should not be your starting place. Your relationship with Jesus should be your starting place. And this should be way higher on that list than those other books. If you're going to clearly hear his voice, but we do this thing out of order. And then we wonder why we're like, God, I don't clearly hear you. And I know, I know, I know that this can be hard. I know it can feel like it's a hard thing to clearly hear the voice of God, because honestly, we just don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to take a wrong turn. We don't want to go down a wrong path. We don't want to take an 11 day journey through the wilderness that turns into 40 years. We don't want to do that. And so we're like, God, I just want to hear you clearly. But let me tell you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're a student of his word, if his word abides in you and you're his disciple, you're going to produce much fruit. That's what Jesus told us. If you listen to his voice, if you spend time in prayer and then listen for him to be led by his spirit. And then you can consult other sheep and say, this is where I feel the Lord is leading me. What do you think about this? After you've examined that sheep and after you put their voice in its proper place, then you can move forward with confidence, knowing that you are clearly following what the Lord has for you. But again, I know this can be hard because we don't want to make that mistake. And so I just want to encourage you, church, to give this a try, to try this out. Start with step one. Start with the first order and talk about your relationship with Jesus. If you're meeting in homes, you can have this conversation with one another. But maybe you're looking at this screen right now and you're like, you know what, Jay, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I've never even entered into that relationship with him. So the rest of this doesn't mean anything to me because I haven't taken that first step. Scripture says that while we were still God shows his great love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can have that relationship with Jesus that you need to start this order of operations, if you will. You can have that personal relationship with him. If you feel the Holy Spirit right now convicting you and showing you your need for a savior, drawing you to the foot of the cross, telling you that this is your moment, this is your time. If he's given you the faith to believe and you will know it because you will feel this overwhelming need to, number one, confess that you are a sinner in need of a savior. But number two, this realization that Jesus truly is the only way. And you can surrender your life to him just by saying a simple prayer. You can pray something like, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that you are that savior. I'm asking you, Jesus, to to make me your sheep, to put me in your flock, to make me your very own. And I give my life to you. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray, believing in the work that you did on the cross in your name. Amen. And if you just pray something simple like that, 
you've taken that first step into entering into a relationship with him. But remember, this relationship takes time to build trust and full surrender. So you got to go through the steps of building the relationship. And that's what we, your church, are here for, to help you with, to help guide you to life in Christ. Again, this is a lifelong journey. We are here for that, and we would love to partner with you in that. You can go to our website and at the very top, just click the contact us button and fill out a connect card. And we would love, Pastor Brian and I would love to just pray with you and talk with you and help you get started on this journey. Now you may be one of those people that says, Hey, I already have a relationship with Jesus. I've been working on this relationship, but I still don't feel like I clearly hear his voice. I still get nervous when I feel something on the inside and I feel like God is leading me. I'm not totally sure if it's him. I would say to you, be a student of his word. See what his word has to say about what you're dealing with. And then listen for his voice. Pray, seek him, go to him. But don't do that that phone call that I illustrated where you just throw out all of your stuff and then hang up. Make sure you take the time to sit and listen to his voice. And then consult some other sheep. Make sure you do this in the right order. Make sure you go to godly people who are going to give you godly advice because they're in a relationship with him and they are a student of his word and they also listen for his voice. And what you should find in that situation is that the advice that you get is affirmation. It's affirmation, either confirming, yes, this is the right thing, or you may feel like, all right, I feel like this is not where I'm supposed to go. And you'll get that affirmation as well that, no, this is not the right thing for us to do. Just make sure that you keep their voice in its proper place. But let me encourage you. You can clearly hear God's voice. You don't have to go through life feeling like, Lord, is that you or is this me? Am I just making up something? You can clearly hear his voice. And church, I think we've overcomplicated this. I think what we're really looking for in our mind is that burning bush. We're really looking for that sign that says it clearly. When God is saying, I've already told you what I want you to do. I just need you to go do it. He told us uh, in the Great Commission that as we're going, make disciples. So that's what we're supposed to do individually and corporately. We're supposed to make disciples. He's told us how to be good husbands and wives. He's told us how to be good parents. He's told us how to have good finances. He's told us how to fight temptation. He's told us how to stand against the text of the enemy. He's told us how to pray for and reach our loved ones who are lost and don't know him. He's given us so many answers in his word already. We need to start there and be a student of his word and then just pray. Spend time with the Lord. Get to know his voice. Just like I did with my wife. We just rode around in a car for hours and talked. Spend some time with the Lord so that you know his voice. And like Jesus says, when he calls another shepherd's voice, a stranger's voice, you won't follow. You'll know right off the bat, this is my Lord versus this is a stranger talking to me. And you will follow the voice of the Lord. But you can do this. I have confidence in you that we can do this. And I know as Pastor Brian has talked over the last couple of weeks, We've been wrestling with some things as a church, like what direction is God leading us? Where are we heading? But I believe this applies to us, too, that we can clearly hear the voice of the Lord and we can follow him faithfully because his word has already told us what he's called us to do, to preach the gospel, to go and make disciples. And our job is to do that to the best of the ability, utilizing all the resources that he's given us. And so that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to pursue that faithfully and lay out some steps for you as to what that looks like in the coming weeks. Uh, But again, you can do this. Have confidence that you can clearly hear the voice of your shepherd. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for 
your people. I'm thankful for your church and I'm thankful for your word that your word says that if we abide in you, Jesus, and your word abides in us, that we can produce fruit and people will know that we're your disciples. I'm thankful that your word says that your sheep will know your voice and a stranger's voice we won't follow. I'm thankful that your word says that when you lay down your life for us, we can give our lives to you and that no one can snatch us from your hands, that we are yours, that no one can take what belongs to you. And I thank you that we are secure in that, Lord Jesus. I pray for each person who hears my voice right now that you would help them to hear your voice clearly. Help us to be a church that walks alongside one another, that guides people to life in Christ, that goes through, studies your word together, that, that's faithful in meeting together and, and being together and studying your word and leading one another. Father, help us to be faithful to all that we've committed to you to do those things uh, in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And for the person right now who's struggling, feeling like, they believe that you're leading them somewhere, but they're not 100% sure. Lord, I pray that you will help them to hear you clearly. I pray that you would just give them clarity of mind, that they would, they would drown out all the distractions, that you would drown out the distractions so that they can hear you clearly and pursue you faithfully. But Father, I thank you that because of Jesus' work on the cross, we now have access to come boldly to your throne of grace, to find mercy to help in a time of need, and that we have access to clearly hear your voice and be led by your spirit. I pray that you would help us to do that, to do it regularly, to do it consistently, and to do it faithfully, and to follow you with all that we have. And Jesus, it's in your precious name I pray. Amen.